My name is Kyle Kegler. I'm on staff here at Watermark, and my title is uh, the Family Ministry Director. And my sole job these days is to help parents, okay, raise a generation of courageous Christian leaders. That's what we're trying to do. And I had a chance to talk with some moms of young children this morning, and I just told them, I said, and we're going to hear this tonight as we go through this, that there's no question that all of us would say that our culture is heading in a downward, um, downward spiral. And so my heart, and one of the things that drives me as I think about my job here at Watermark, is that I want us to raise a generation of kids that come from Watermark, okay, that, are, that either God uses to lead a revival in our country, or if God chooses not to lead our country in a revival, they are the kids that stand to the very end and say, I'm going to stand with Christ no matter what temptation comes my way, no matter what persecution comes my way. And so that's our job. We're here to help you do that. And so we talk about this kind of journey as a parent, uh, as a marathon. And so tonight, our purpose is just, maybe it's mile marker number one for you, or mile marker number two. But it's just another one of these events that we try to do that can help you guide your kids through this whole culture that we've got. And we were praying before the service started, and Todd, as he was praying for us, he just said, hey, you know, really, the culture is not the problem, okay? The church is the problem. That we have not been the church that Jesus Christ has called us to be in this area to stand up and talk about truth in the face of a culture that's coming at us. So I hope that tonight is just a mile marker for us as we continue to stand up and say, hey, we want to raise kids that are going to stand uh, for Jesus Christ. Let me do just for a second, take a minute and introduce a good friend of mine. This guy's become a good friend over the last six months. His name is Rick Schatz, and he's the president and CEO of the Coalition for the Protection of Children and Families based in Cincinnati, Ohio. And Rick was down here about six months ago, and I went to a buddy's house for breakfast. And we just started talking about what their role is in this organization. As I was sitting and listening to him, I just thought, man, our mission at Watermark Family Ministries and your mission lines up perfectly. And so Rick and I have spent some time together over the course of the last six months, and he has become a great friend. And so we've exchanged a ton of emails. And so I am really excited for him to come tonight and just help us get this first mile marker under our belt, and he will give you some great stuff to take home. I, my hunch is you're going to be fairly shocked, okay, at some of the stuff that's going on, but don't, don't check out. Stay with us because I promise you that there is hope for us as we continue to guide our kids. So I'm going to bring Rick up and let me pray for us as we get going. Father, I do thank you for um, all these folks that are here that made sacrifices. I thank you for Rick and his passion for you. Uh, Father, and I pray that you would use him tonight to equip and empower us to raise godly kids, to make disciples of our children. And Father, we just tell you, we can't do that on our own. We need the help of partners, and mostly we need the help of your spirit. And so, Father, we ask that you would do a great work in our hearts, and in the, and therefore in the hearts of our kids because of the night. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. It is great to be here this evening with you, and I uh, echo what Kyle said about the sacrifice that each of you has made to be here. Uh, Before we start the PowerPoint presentation, let me just share a little bit about myself so you have a a better idea about who I am. I'm a native of Cincinnati and uh, born and raised there. So you need to know as we go through the PowerPoint, uh, Brian will be showing ESPN on the screen partway through the program because the University of Cincinnati football team is playing South Florida tonight. So I'm making a greater sacrifice than any of you, believe me. But it is, uh, it's very good to be here. Uh, when I was in Cincinnati, raised in a perfect family just like you, we used to go to church on Christmas and Easter whether we needed to or not. I was not raised in a Christian home. We had a, an RSV Bible in our home that I never saw opened or read, except when my mom rarely dusted and might open it. Uh, but I was fortunate enough to begin to date my high school sweetheart, Sharon. When she was a sophomore in, in high school, I was a junior. We dated through the rest of high school and all the way through college. I went to the University of Cincinnati in chemical engineering. Sharon was a speech and hearing therapist, and we graduated on the same day, and we got married the next day. We then moved to uh, Boston, Massachusetts, where we lived in the attic of a woman's home in Newton, Massachusetts, for two years when I went to the Harvard Business School. 
And I went to the business school to get a great education, get a great job, make lots of money, and have all the trappings of the world. And the first 15 months of our marriage, we never went to church once, which was typical for me, but very atypical for Sharon, who was raised in the church and actually made a profession of faith at the age of 12. So in the summer between our two years at Harvard, Sharon suggested that we needed to start going to church, which translated from the Greek folks meant, Rick, you heathen, you need to come to know Jesus. And that, that was really true. And we started going to the Newton Presbyterian Church, which was right around the corner from where we were living. And uh, the folks there were very friendly. And they started talking about this renewal weekend that they were going to have in the fall of 1968. I was only 10 when I went to Harvard, I want to let you know. But in any event, uh, they started talking about this renewal weekend, and the surprising thing was they were going to bring a group of people from Cincinnati, Ohio, our hometown, to Newton, Massachusetts, to do this renewal weekend. I didn't know what a renewal weekend was, frankly. I didn't think I needed to be renewed. I thought I was doing fine. But they brought a man by the name of Jerry Kirk, and he preached on Friday night, Saturday night, Sunday morning, and Sunday night... He asked anyone in the audience who wanted to give their lives to Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior to come forward. And I went forward that night, gave my life to Jesus, and the rest, as they say, is history. Sharon and I graduated from Harvard. We moved back to Cincinnati, started our family, and we joined Jerry Kirk's church, frankly. And uh, we've been blessed with three incredible sons, all of whom are grown and out of the house. My wife says that life begins when the youngest child graduates from college, leaves home, and the family dog dies. And we have been blessed in all regards <laughs> and, uh, in disciplining and di- discipling my sons. I trained them to do the same thing I've done in marriage, and that's to marry well above themselves. And those of my friends and peers that know my wife would say, Rick, you really accomplished that task, and I did. We've been blessed with three incredible sons, all of whom are married, and now in God's sense of providence and humor, we have seven granddaughters, seven out of seven. So not theologically, but practically the way I put it, Sharon was in purgatory raising me and our three boys. Now she's been translated to heaven with all these girls. And I can tell you, she is blessed and we are blessed with our family. So uh, 19 years ago now, Jerry Kirk, who founded the National Coalition, and originally it was founded as the National Coalition Against Pornography, came to me and asked if I would leave the business world and come join the staff of the National Coalition. Sharon and I prayed about that, felt this was a calling that I should follow, and so I came and joined the staff. I've been the president and CEO of the National Coalition for the last nine years, and that and 25 cents used to buy you a cup of coffee, but it certainly won't anymore. But we've been blessed in this work, uh, and I am privileged to speak to audiences like this all over the United States. The coalition deals with the sexualized culture in which all of us are being raised, and especially the culture in which our kids, and in some cases our grandchildren, are being raised. So our goal is to spend time with God's people. So we spend almost all of our time meeting with individual believers and speaking in churches and Christian schools and with parachurch leaders and denominational leaders all over the United States. And then tomorrow morning, Todd Wagner, the senior pastor at Watermark, he's got me roped into going to talk to a public school group of fathers. And we talked about, well, would we have to do some, uh, some minor editing to this presentation? Well, I hate to tell you, we'd have to gut it and start over. So, but it's very good to be here this evening with you. And our goal tonight is not just to share a lot of news and statistics and research which in many ways, as Kyle said, may be shocking to you. But our goal, and I hope your goal in being here, is not just to hear a bunch of bad news. You, can, you could have stayed at home and watched NBC to get that. My hope is that you're here because you care about your own marriages, if you're married, about your kids and your grandkids, and that you want to help them navigate the culture in which all of us live. And that's what we're going to talk about tonight. So uh, let's just begin uh, by looking at why we're here. And Deuteronomy 11 is one of the passages. 
We're called to make disciples of our children. You're to lay up a store of God's Word in the lives of your kids and grandkids. And you're to do that while you're sitting at home, rising up, going to sleep. This is one of the messages of Scripture about who we are and what we're doing. All of us live in this sexualized culture. And it's everywhere. And it has changed in very dramatic ways. And technology, and we're going to talk a little bit about that tonight, has certainly changed our world in very, very dramatic ways, and has changed your world as well. The next slide I'm only going to put up there for just a second or so, because frankly, we don't need to look at it for longer than that. That's enough. And the reality is that magazine, uh, Cosmopolitan, and ladies, uh, you can't buy good housekeeping today much less Cosmo or Young Girls magazines like Seventeen, without being confronted by the sexualized messages of the culture. Those three other magazines on the top of that slide were FHM, Stuff, and Maxim, which are three of the most popular male teen magazines in the world today, and they are all filled with sexualized content. That's the world in which we live. And the fact is, it says Cosmopolitan is training girls to be prostitutes and boys to be predators. These are the messages of the culture. And our kids and our grandkids are receiving them all the time. And we uh, recently addressed Levi Strauss Jeans, that company, which I thought they made clothing, but they're delivering a message. Uh, This past year, they produced three TV ads. And the theme of that campaign was to live unbuttoned. That was the theme of this campaign. These ads ran on network television as well as cable. And they were three of the most sexually provocative advertisements I've ever seen. And the president, John Anderson of Levi Strauss, he was frankly uh, written to, telephoned, emailed, texted about the sexual content of these ads. And his response is here. The physical unbuttoning of their gene captures the provoking theme of self-expression and unrestrained behavior. These ads were all about sex. They were all about premarital sex. And they were delivering a message, especially to our teens and our young adults, that that's the way they're expected to behave, and that's the way to really live a vibrant an exciting life. That was the message of this advertising campaign. Now, one of the issues that we talked about, and we'll share a few thoughts about this, is that technology has changed our world. 25 years ago, when the National Coalition was started as the National Coalition Against Pornography, if you wanted to find pornographic materials, you might be able to find it in a few magazines and a few stores, or you had to go to what was called sexually oriented businesses or so-called adult bookstores. Well, today, first the invention of the VCR and the videotape, then the invention of the Internet. Al Gore invented the Internet a couple years ago. And now the Internet, not just through computers anymore, but through cell phones, smartphones like iPhones, PDAs, iPods, Sony portable PlayStations. How many of you have, are either, either familiar with or bought the Wii game system for your kids or grandkids? Raise your hand. How many? Man. Well, you may not know it, but every 13-year-old in the world understands that the Wii game is a wireless, internet-connected device. That device can be used to play the games with people all over the world, and to communicate with people all over the world, and to receive the content of the internet, which means without any filtration, no monitoring systems, no parental control systems whatsoever, And so our kids, you're giving your kids games like that. We're giving them phones like that. We're putting computers in their hands. And frankly, the iPhone, the cell phone today is a pocket computer. And it has all the capabilities of computers. 
And so when they're connected to the Internet, then they're connected to all the technology of the Internet and all of the messages that are available on the Internet as well. So technology's made a big difference. And the fact is we need to be very careful when we talk about this issue. When We, we must understand that it's not the technology itself that's evil. The technology is morally neutral. But the reality is, is that these represent new delivery systems for pornography. And they're now found in computers and cell phones and iPods and game systems. And there's a genuine threat to our kids and our grandkids as they use those devices from predators and from other messages. But it's not the technology that's evil. Our kids and our grandkids are going to be raised with the Internet. They're going to get educated over the Internet. They're going to communicate over the Internet. And so the issue is not shutting that down. The issue is not taking that away. The issue is understanding the power of those tools and to help our kids, even ourselves, use those tools safely. That's really what we've got to try to do. Okay? Now, also we talk about social networking sites. Facebook uh, recently announced that they now have more members than the population of the United States. Over 300 million members. How many of you in the crowd wish you had invented Facebook? I do. I mean, it would have been wonderful. I don't know what that sucker could sell for today, but it would be even greater than the gross revenue of Watermark Church, I think. I'm not sure now. You have a big crowd here, Kyle. But the reality is our kids are ourselves are using Facebook and MySpace and Zanga, Craigslist, that kind of thing. And look what this woman, Melissa Farley, wrote. And I'm not sure she's a believer. She made this statement at a conference a couple of our staff went to in Pittsburgh this past year. Children are being groomed for prostitution. And MySpace explicitly asks them to send risque photos of themselves. This is the kind of world in which our kids are very comfortable. Look at some of these stats about children in the United States, and this is three years old now, so the statistics, I'm sure, are frankly somewhat worse than they were then. But this is the last research study that's been done. 35% of our teens would chat with somebody they don't know. 30% would download music. I saw a stat yesterday. Of all the music downloads done in the United States in the past year, only 5% were paid for. 95% were stolen. And our kids, and maybe we, are doing that. 29% may visit websites that they know they shouldn't. This and the last one, 24% would give out personal information online. Now, let me ask you a question. You're online or your kids are online with somebody. What do they know for sure about the people that they're online with? What do they know for sure? This gentleman down here says absolutely nothing. And in terms of personal information, that's true. You really only know two things for sure. One, they're alive. And number two, they've either got a computer or an iPod or a Wii game that they can communicate with you. And that's all you know about them. And when we see the stats that a bunch of our kids would communicate with people online that they don't know. We at the National Coalition... We deal with the heartbreak every week with someone who calls us and says, my 16-year-old daughter was communicating with an 18-year-old guy over the Internet. And she got committed in this relationship and finally went to meet Bill. And Bill turns out to be a 35-year-old pedophile. And my daughter got raped or murdered. And I praise God that you don't have to face those messages every day, but we do. And that's one of the reasons why we're here. Because our kids and our grandkids need our help to be protected in this dangerous world. That's the reality in terms of this sexualized culture. And the fact is, all of us are being influenced. Every one of us, not just our kids, not just our grandkids, we are being desensitized. I think if we really checked our own hearts and we looked at the TV programs we watch today or the movies that we go to, 
we would realize that we're looking at materials that 10 years ago we would have thought were out of bounds for us. Not healthy. And people, I run into folks all the time, especially within the church, and they say, man, Rick, what are you going to do about TV? I mean, it's filthy. Well, you know what I'm going to do about TV? I'm going to do nothing about TV. Except to tell you that the reason we have garbage on TV is what? We're watching it. And all the research, folks, indicates there's no difference between the programs that we in the church watch as those folks outside the church. In this reality, we have met the enemy and they is us. That's really who we are. We've all been affected. We've all been desensitized. And as I said in the last bullet point there, if you're breathing, this is an issue. This is the reality that all of us live in. Now, this is where we begin some audience participation. As I said last night, this is an IQ test. And the folks at Highland Park Presbyterian, they did pretty well. I believe this group will outshine Highland Park last night. How many? Give yourselves a hand before you answer the question. Then we'll see how you do. And I'll decide if you get a hand, okay? What are the lies of the sexualized culture that are being told us about marriage, about sex, about pornography, about purity... What, what is the world, what are the messages that we're getting and our kids and grandkids are getting about those issues? Now, just raise your hand and, and uh, yes, ma'am. There are no consequences to um, sexual Yeah, let me repeat the question so make sure everybody hears it. There are no consequences to any sexual activity. As a matter of fact... Not only are there not only there are no negative consequences, all sexual activity of any kind, any way, with anyone is celebrated and positive. So that's certainly one of the messages. What's what are some of the other messages about these issues? This woman was brave right here to answer. Yes, yes, sir. Yes, marriage can be between two people regardless of gender just as long as they love each other. Okay? And that's true. And one of the issues that we're struggling with, and many of you are as well, is homosexual marriage. I just I was up in New England this past weekend and spoke up there, and five of the six states in New England now have approved same-sex marriage. So this is really an issue, and... Those folks that were promoting same-sex marriage were saying, you know, that uh, that's all we want. We said, and others said, well, you know, if we redefine marriage in this way, then what's wrong with having a man and three wives? Or two men and two dogs? And everybody in the homosexual community said, oh, that's ridiculous. Well, no more did Massachusetts pass same-sex marriage than a polygamist in Utah sued the state of Utah saying that he was now being discriminated against. So that's certainly another message. What are some of the other messages? Everybody is sexually active. Nobody can be pure. Okay, that purity is really impossible and that everyone is sexually active. That's certainly one of the other messages. Yes, ma'am. Yes, that you should live together before you get married. In other words, cohabitation, okay, is a good test run for marriage. Now, let me just say in 1970 in the United States, there were 900,000 couples living together, cohabitating. 30 years later, five and a half million, okay, by the year 2000, and that number continues to escalate. Now it's estimated that two-thirds of the couples in the United States who are getting married have lived together before they get married. And this idea that cohabitation is a good test run, well, about 40% of the marriages, of first marriages in the United States end in divorce. We, we have the highest divorce rate in the world, folks. Okay? And for the first time in history now, the divorce rate inside the church is higher than it is outside the church. But the reality is, about 40% of first-time marriages in the United States end in divorce. Do you know what percentage of marriages 
of couples that are cohabitating, then get married and have their marriage last, they've used this good faith test to see if they're compatible? Well, if it's a good test, the number ought to be better than 40% or 60% of the marriages last. You would hope it'd be 80 or 90%. It's 11%. So the fact is, in every social scientific research study that's ever been done on cohabitation indicates it's an absolute disaster for participants. Okay, not from a Christian perspective, just from a sociological perspective. Any other messages you want to share? Yes, sir. Right? Yep. That one of the messages here, and perhaps it's a, a message of the culture, but it's certainly a message we need to deal with, and that is that women, it's up to women to control the sexual behavior, because frankly, guys will engage in sexual activity if the women permit it, okay? And the fact is, many of us grew up with an absolute double standard. Guys who were sexually promiscuous were studs. Girls that were sexually promiscuous were sluts. That double standard's over because women have now learned that they can use sex as a weapon just the way men have used it in the past. So this issue's really changed. What's the message about pornography? It's mainstream, it's cool, and perhaps more important than that, it's victimless. There's no harm to the use of pornography. And again, we deal with the aftermath of that all the time. And the reality is that 40 to 60% of the men sitting in these pews on Sunday morning are struggling with Internet pornography. And the only denominational group that solved that problem were Presbyterians, and that's why I am one. No, that's not really true. I wish it were, but it's not. Let's look at some of these sexualized messages, okay? Absolute sexual freedom. Sex anyway with anyone is not harmful. Women have one value. You didn't say that. Uh, really, women have the message of the culture is that women have one value, and that's to meet the sexual demands of men. Marriage and children are obstacles to sexual fulfillment. And that's just a lie from the pit of hell, folks. Everyone's doing it. Purity is impossible. Pornography is victimless. Homosexuality is acceptable and cohabitation is a good test. I would say you can give yourselves another hand. You did very well. Very well. Thank you. Now, let's look at some of the impact of the sexualized culture in which we live. The first bullet up there, perhaps for you, is more stunning than any other. And that is that the American teenager is the most sexually active teenager in the industrialized world. It's not in Sweden. It's not in France. It's not in Italy. Our teens lead the industrialized world in sexual activity, sexually transmitted diseases, and unwanted pregnancy. 21% of our ninth graders have had sexual intercourse before they get out of junior high school. 21% of our 12th graders have had sexual intercourse with four or more partners before they graduate from high school. This is the reality of who we are. Three to four million new cases of STDs among teenagers in the United States every year. And we're not going to talk a lot about STDs, but I would tell you, you know, when I was growing up, there really were two sexually transmitted diseases, syphilis and gonorrhea. Both were treatable with antibiotics. Today, there's about 25 or 30 STDs running around at epidemic proportions, and half of them are incurable. You get venereal warts, you get genital herpes, you have them for the rest of your life. And everyone that you have sexual relationships with is at risk. And one of the issues here is that 85% of the people that have an STD have no symptoms whatsoever. So they don't know they have one. So this is a real issue, and our kids are, again, leading the world in sexually transmitted diseases. Now, the reality is we're losing some of our teens. And there's no significant statistical difference in the attitudes or behavior of teens being raised in the church 
versus teens being raised outside the church. Now, uh, there has not been a research study done that I've seen that makes a distinction among categories within the Christian community. I hope and believe that if we looked at evangelical youth, that we would see some significant difference in terms of attitudes and behavior. But I will tell you, even if we saw that, we would be shocked at the level of sexual activity that is taking place among our teens. And here's, here's the fact, folks, is that either the culture or parents and the church are going to win the day with our kids. Silence is no longer golden on this issue, if it ever was. We must be talking to our kids and grandkids about this issue, or the culture is going to win the day. And if we permit the culture to win the day, the results are very predictable. But there is absolutely wonderful, magnificent, great news. First of all, we have the privilege of meeting with and working with and talking to lots of teens and young adults across this country who are very, very excited about Jesus Christ who want to follow the Lord, who, who are, are looking at the message, uh, Kyle, the message that you said your goal of watermark is, to raise kids that are excited about following Jesus and becoming leaders in our world. And the fact is, many of them are struggling, but many teens and young adults are leading the way. And I believe they are our future and I think the future's bright because God is, Jesus has not fallen off the throne. He is still the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings. And I read the last chapter of the book and we win. And our kids are going to win. And again, depending on what research study you look at, somewhere between 40 and 60% of our kids are sexually active before they get out of high school. But again, one of the lies of the culture is that everyone is sexually active. Then purity is impossible. Well, let's say that the right number is 50%. Well, that means the other 50% are not sexually active. So one of the messages you need to deliver to your kids and grandkids is that having sex before marriage, number one, everyone is not doing it, and secondly, it isn't cool. It's harmful and destructive. And a bunch of your peers are winning the day of purity and righteousness. And the other part of good news, and this is thrilling for me as a believer, and I hope it is for you as a believer, that the research is very clear that the stronger the commitment to Jesus Christ of our young people, the more likely it is that they will wait until marriage for sex. So those of you that are committed to and are working toward discipling your young people in the faith, in the power of the Holy Spirit, you have a better chance of having your kids navigate this triple X hypersexualized culture in which all of us are living than those who don't have a faith. And that's a message I hope that's got great news for you. Now let's kind of turn the corner here. I've given you some statistics and some research, and by the way, uh, Watermark has this entire PowerPoint presentation. So I'm assuming anyone that would want, you know, the presentation, you're going to be able to get it from Watermark. Okay? I think it's a hundred bucks a piece or something. No, <laughs> you'll be able to get it for free, I'm sure. And you'll have all the research and all the stats and that kind of thing that you want. All the points that are made tonight. So if you want the entire PowerPoint, I know that Watermark will make that available to you. And But I do want to turn turn the page in this way, and that is... I've given you a bunch of research and a bunch of stats and some challenges and the sexualized messages of the culture. But again, my hope and prayer is that you're here because you want to make a difference. So the rest of the presentation is going to be entitled, Winning the Day. Now I wish that I had a silver bullet that I could give to each of you that would guarantee that your kids and grandkids would navigate in this culture successfully. But I have to be honest, if I had that silver bullet, I wouldn't give it to you. I'd sell it on eBay for a whole lot of money and finance the whole national coalition for the next 10 years. But there is good news, 
And you can make a difference. So the first point of good news is that as parents and or grandparents, you are the number one influence on your kids and grandkids. Number one. Peers are right behind you at number two. But the reality is you must understand that sex education is taking place with your kids all the time. The average teenager in the United States receives 14,000 sexualized messages every year. They're influenced by the media 35 hours a week on average. That's 40 sexualized messages every day. So sex education is taking place with your kids all the time. The only question is what? The source. If you withdraw your influence, the culture and peers are going to win the day. And the results are going to be ugly. So, but you have the greatest influence. Now, we're going to show a a video clip uh, for five or six minutes that, uh, and I'll talk about it in a little bit, but uh, Brian, let's go ahead and show that clip. Uh, Watch this, and then we'll talk about it after it's done. One of the mistakes of parents is letting um, their children be with their girlfriend or boyfriend, like, alone in a house. Whoa, stupid. (laughs) Things can be happening in your household when you're downstairs watching TV and you won't even know it. I think just supervise your children. It might be invading privacy or whatever, but I, I respect the fact that they care about me enough to not let me lead myself into a situation that might end up harming me or another person. If I could say one thing to parents, it would be um, know your children's friends. Um, I can't tell you how many times I've been like, Mom, he's a nice guy, we're just going to go hang out. And if she had ever met him, she'd be like, you're not stepping foot out of this house. Um, and parents, I know your kids are going to give you torture. They're just, you know, it's going it's to be a pain in the butt, but please, like, it would have saved me so much trouble if my parents knew my friends. Dad, talk to your daughters about sex. Up front, even if you don't have the finest relationship with your daughter, talk to her about sex. You need to show your daughters how they need to be treated. It is your responsibility to lay those fundamentals in them, and if you don't show them how they're going to be treated, the first guy that comes along sure as heck is. So it is your responsibility. Another thing I'd like to say to parents is the message of hope. These are the teenage years, and most of, we're all in our 20s, and coming from the other side, Eventually, we'll come back and say thank you. Right now, it's really hard being a parent, I'm sure, when your kids are in the teenage years and the hormones are flying everywhere. But um, if you do put those stand- have those standards for your kids, eventually, more than likely, they're going to come back and say, Hey, Mom, hey, Dad, thank you. I'm the person that who I am today because you had those standards for me and you encouraged me and helped me to follow those standards. And that was a a clip from a a program that the National Coalition produced a number of years ago. And uh, it was uh, done in 33 different evangelical locations all all over the United States. We did that program in partnership with Campus Crusade for Christ, Josh McDowell, InterVarsity, Young Life, FCA, and Focus on the Family. And when I say partner with those people, the coalition invested $100,000 in that program. And each of those partners, to be a partner, had to get out their checkbook and write a check for $10,000 to participate. Well, one of those partners was focused on the family, as I said. And Jim Dobson's been a good friend of our program uh, and ministry ever since 1986, when he was on the Mies Commission that studied pornography. Okay, and concluded, believe it or not, that pornography was harmful. Now, there was uh, the first study on pornography in the United States was done in 1970, and they concluded that pornography had no harmful effects whatsoever. But Jim Dobson's been a good friend of our ministry ever since then, and, and I've been on his national radio program, and Jim supports us. And I was talking to Jim about one of the segments. It was not the segment you just saw that we produced as part of this program called Confusion Surrounding Virginity or Confusion Surrounding Purity. One of the messages of our sexualized culture is that the only thing that is sex is what? Sexual intercourse. 
So we completed this segment, Confusion Surrounding Virginity, and I was on the phone with Jim Dobson, and I'm saying to Jim, Jim, here's what we found. And he said, well, Rick, you need to send your team out to Colorado Springs to interview some of our institute kids. Now, the focus on the Family Institute, at least at that time, four or five years ago or six years ago when we did this, uh, they, they asked, they invited kids who were in college to come to focus on the family for a semester of college training. And for those of you that have been to Colorado Springs, there could be worse places to be assigned to if for a semester in college. It's not exactly the ugliest place on the face of the planet. And these folks took classes, including a Christian worldview and that kind of thing. And they used to have 2,000 applications for 50 spots. So these were the creme de la creme of the evangelical Christian young people in the whole United States. So Jim said to me, send your team out to focus and have them interview some of our institute kids. They'll share a different perspective about this issue. I know they will. And I said to Jim, you want some really bad news? And he said, well, not particularly. And I said, now that you've asked for it, I'm going to give it to you. I said, Jim, the five young ladies who were just, you saw in the video clip, who we interviewed, and the four young men that we interviewed and featured in the segment, Confusion Surrounding Virginity, were sitting in your offices when we videotaped them, and they're all members of your institute. And it was so quiet on the other end of the phone, I thought Jim had had another heart attack and gone to see Jesus. And that's the reality, folks, of your kids, my kids, my grandkids, your grandkids. If you get anything out of this evening, my hope and prayer is that you will understand. It is not the kids out in the world, as Todd prayed earlier and you referenced, Kyle. The issue is for us. The problem on this issue, folks, is that we look too much like the world. So... This is a challenge for us. Now, what are some other ways that facing the reality, we can win the day? Well, one of the elements is that we have to have open and honest dialogue about sexuality. Now, we're not opposed to the one-time sex talk. But if... And this is especially addressed to the fathers who want to wait till their kids are 13 and have the one-time sex talk and then check that off their list and call your pastor and say, well, I've got that done. Well, folks, how well do you think that one-time sex talk is going to do compared to 14,000 sexualized messages every year? So we're not opposed to the one-time sex talk, but don't believe that that's going to win the day because it won't. You need openness consistency, and what we call teachable moments. Now, when we're watching television, what's the absolutely one thing we have to have on our hands at all times? The remote, okay? And the previous channel has to be set to either the Weather Channel or the Discovery Channel, not to NBC, okay? Now, you're watching the Dallas Cowboys whip up on my Cincinnati Bengals, and that's very likely, all right? Let me tell you, being a Bengal fan for the last 19 years has been a matter of sadomasochism. I don't know. I mean, it's been terrible. But if you're watching the Cowboys play the football game, why do you need the remote in your hand? The cheerleaders and the advertisements. So the cheerleaders come on. And I'm not sure the fathers ought to have the remote, but if the mothers are in the room, you need the remote. All right? But the cheerleaders come on, and you got your 14-year-old sitting there. You need to flip to the Discovery Channel. Now, this is not the time for the 30-minute sex talk. But it, because the Cowboys might score three touchdowns in the next 30 minutes. But it is the time to say to your 15-year-old son who's sitting there, Anthony, those cheerleaders are half naked and they're being viewed by 85,000 maniacs in the stands and they're being viewed as sex objects. And I don't want to think about women that way and I don't want you to think about women that way. Your 13-year-old daughter sitting there. Jenny, 
I don't want you to dress that way. You need to understand that men are visually stimulated. And when they see young, beautiful women like that, prancing around like that, it's sexually exciting to men. And you need to understand that. Back to the football game. End of discussion, but that's a teachable moment. You read an article in the newspaper. A 15-year-old here has been sexually abused because they were communicating with, again, 18-year-old Bill and went to meet 18-year-old Bill and he turned out to be a pedophile and gets written up in the Dallas News. Talk to your kids about that issue. That's not the time for a long lecture, but it is time to have a teachable moment and to take advantage of it. Set high expectations for your kids and talk with respect. Did you hear the message of some of those young ladies? They're saying, parents, talk to us about this issue. We want to learn from you. And that's the reality. So part of winning the day is open and honest dialogue about this issue. Now look at this. Again, I don't know if David Walsh is a Christian or not. But he said in his research, only 19% of American teens have any adult that they feel comfortable or safe that they can talk to about sex. And if that was restricted to parents or grandparents, I think the number would be less than 10%. Now, folks, if that's true, then the culture and peers are winning the day about the messages of sexuality. And that's not good. And then he said, for a kid that no one's talking to, TV sitcoms are going to win the day. And that's a problem. Let me share this relative to television. Many of us, wrongly I think, might conclude that this is innocent entertainment, that it really doesn't impact any of us. Okay? Well, for us to deny that what we watch has any impact is really denying the power of advertising. Now, I come from Cincinnati, the corporate headquarters, worldwide headquarters of Procter & Gamble. Procter & Gamble spends, I don't know, $10 billion a year on 30-second Tide commercials. Now, that's either a waste of corporate money or it impacts how we, primarily you ladies, think about soap. And I can tell you, either the people running those commercials are dumber than rocks Or there's an impact. And I can tell you, the guys producing those commercials and planning those commercials, most of them went to the Harvard Business School with me. And they're not dumber than rocks, believe me. So what we watch on TV impacts us. What our kids watch on TV impacts us. There was a social scientific research group in Chicago called RAND Corporation. Not faith-based, certainly not Christian. And they did a research study on the impact of television habits on teenagers in the United States. And they concluded two things. The first of which was not surprising to anybody in the pro-family movement, and that was they divided the kids into two groups, one of which watched the most TV and the other group watched the least TV. And what they found relative to attitudes and behavior relative to sexuality was that the group that watched the most TV was two years ahead of the other group. Now, I don't think that should be surprising. But the second thing they concluded was surprising for many. And that was, they then divided the television content into two different categories. One of which was more sexually explicit, like MTV. And if you think MTV is nothing about, or about nothing but music videos, you haven't watched it for ten years. It is all about reality shows and sexual relationships. But MTV, BET, VH1, those programs are so sexually explicit it's unbelievable. The other group of TV programs they studied were more subtle in their, their delivery of the messages that we've talked about before. Programs like ER, which was the number one rated program on TV for a number of years, Cheers, programs like that. Now, you never see any sexual activity in those programs. But the messages are very, very clear. And they're delivered consistently. And what Rand Corporation concluded was that there was no difference in the impact from those television viewing habits between the sexually explicit stuff and the subtle stuff. So what we watch, what our kids watch, impacts 
what they're doing, and what they believe. So in your homes, you have to talk to your kids about sex. Now, we've got another short video clip. Uh, Brian, if you'd put that on, let's see what this has to say to us. Uh, Dr. Switzer? Uh, yes, C- come in. I'm just, just washing my hands. Uh, I'm Catherine Bigman. Janet Carlisle referred me. Oh, yes. Still uh, being a very delight in a box. Yes. Yes, that's me. <laughs> Should I lay down? Oh, no, no, no. We don't, we don't do that anymore. Just, just have a seat. And, uh, <laughs> and let, let me uh, tell you a, a bit about our, our billing. I... Um, I charge five dollars for the for the first five minutes, and, and then absolutely nothing after that. How, how, how does that sound? That sounds great. <laughs> Too good to be true, as a matter of fact. <laughs> well, I can I can almost guarantee you that that our session won't last the full uh, the full five minutes. Now, um, <laughs> we don't do any insurance billing, so you would either have to pay in in cash or by check. <clears throat> wow. Okay. And, I, and I, I don't make change. <laughs> All right. <And> go. <laughs> go. Well, tell what? me, tell me about the problem that you wish to address. Oh, okay. Uh, well, I have this fear of being buried alive in a box. <laughs> I just, I start thinking about being buried alive and I begin to panic. Has, has, has anyone ever, ever tried to, to bury you alive in a box? No. No, but truly thinking about it does make my life horrible. I mean, I can't go through tunnels or be in an elevator or in a house, anything boxy. So what, what you're saying is you're, uh, you're claustrophobic. Uh, yes, yes, that's it. All right, well, uh, let's go, Catherine. I'm, uh, I'm going to uh, say two words to you right now. I, I want you to listen to them very, very carefully. Then I want you to take them out of the office with you and incorporate them in, into your life. Well, shall I uh, write them down? Well, it, if it makes you comfortable, it's just two words. Most, we find most people can, uh, can remember them. Okay. You ready? Yes. Okay, here, here they are. Stop it! I'm sorry? Stop it! Stop it? Yes, S-T-O-P, new word, I-T. So, what are you saying? <laughs> you know, it's funny. I, I, I say two simple words, and I cannot tell you the amount of people who say exactly the same thing you're saying. I mean, this, you know, this is not Yiddish, Catherine. This is English. Stop it. So I should just stop it. There you go. I mean, you, you, you don't want to go through life being scared of being buried alive in a box, do you? I mean, that sounds, sounds frightening. <laughs> yes. Then stop it! I can't. I mean, it's been with me no, since childhood. No, no, childhood. no. No, we, 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 we don't go there. Just, just stop. So I should just stop being afraid of being buried alive in a box. You got it. Good go. Well, it's only been... It's only been three minutes, so that will be um, uh, three dollars. Well, I, I only have a five, so... Well, I, I, don't, I don't make change. Anyway, talking to our kids about this issue and telling them, uh-oh, just to stop it won't work. All right? We need to be talking to our kids regularly about these issues. And I hope we can get through this in a hurry. But one of the messages that we often give to our kids, and I say Christian parents talk to their kids in the sense they say, you know, I'm so petrified that my children or grandchildren are going to engage in premarital sex that I'm going to just tell them that sex is dirty, shameful, and no fun. 
Now, what's the problem with that is what? It's not true. All right? One of the ways to win the day is to tell the whole truth. Jesus came and he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. The truth will what? Set you free. We need to believe that for our kids. Sex is God's idea. We are made sexual beings in his image. And it's not just about behavior. Another principle in talking to our kids about this issue is we can't just talk about behavior. We have to talk about attitude and commitment to Christ. Matthew 5, 27 to 30, Jesus' words in the Sermon on the Mount, if you've lusted after a woman in your heart, you've what? Committed adultery with her. Job 31.1, I've made a covenant with my eyes not to look lustfully upon a young woman. These are important issues. And we need to tell our kids that as we follow God's design for our whole lives, including our sexual nature and sexual relationships, there is blessing in following God's plan. Now, in telling the whole truth, we need to understand that God is not only the designer of sex and our sexual nature, but he called it very good. Only after the first five days of creation did God then offer his benediction and say that his creation was good. After the sixth day of creation, when he made man in his image, male and female, he created them, did he declare his creation to be very good. One of the messages we have to deliver to our kids is that God wants their very best. Anybody here know Jeremiah 29.11? What is it? I have plans for you, plans for your good, plans for your blessing, not for your harm. John 10.10, the evil one says, I've what? Come to rob, kill, and destroy. I, Jesus, came that you would have life and what? Have it more abundantly. Brothers and sisters, those of you that know Jesus, we should be the most excited, enthusiastic, dynamic people on the face of the planet because we have the only good news that's really available. God does want our very best, and Galatians 6, verses 7 to 10 talks about the problem of defying God. Defying God is always foolish. Galatians 6, 7 to 10, Paul's words there says, God will not be mocked. Whatever you sow, you will reap. If you sow to the flesh, you will reap destruction. You sow to the Spirit, you will reap blessing and life. This is part of winning the day. Another element of winning the day is talking to your kids about the importance of marriage. That cohabitation and homosexual relationships are not acceptable or healthy relationships in replacing marriage. Marriage brings great blessing, and marriage is God's plan. When you talk to your kids about these issues, you must say to them that God wants you, if you eventually do get married, to have a wonderful sex life. Sex is an important component of our relationship within marriage, but it includes commitment and mutual understanding and mutual support. Now, when I get the privilege of talking to teens, I tell them, Sharon and I dated for six and a half years before we got married, and we were virgins when we got married. But I say, it wasn't my fault, and that's really true. Sharon was a believer, I was not. I did understand the definition of no. Now, the kids, they think that's kind of funny. But then when I go on to say we've now been married for 42 years and we have an absolutely wonderful sex life, I immediately follow that statement by saying, I know you think that's disgusting, but that's your problem. All right? Now, the reality is, folks, again, the message of the world says that anybody who is married never has sex. And the only people that do have sex are either unfaithful in marriage or getting sexually active before marriage. And that's just simply not true. All the research indicates that those people that have the most sex and the most satisfying sex lives are married and are faithful. Somebody here say amen. That was mainly male voices, but that's okay. Now, let me, and, and let me tell you this, guys. 
If you want to have a great sex life, then begin to understand your wife's desires and your wife's pleasure in sex. If you continue to think that sex is all about you and about your orgasm, you may have a good sex life. But if you begin to think and focus on the pleasure and enjoyment of your wife, you will begin to have a great sex life. And it is a wonderful blessing. And I wish I'd known that 25, 35 years ago. But that's the reality of who we are in terms of telling our kids the greater yes is waiting until sex within marriage. Now, parents, you have to set parameters. You have to watch what your kids watch, where they go, and with whom. You have to set guidelines. You are not to be your children's best friends. You have to be disciple makers. That's your goal. It is not to be your child's best friend. Let me share one quick example, and then because we've got to move on here. But eight years ago, my youngest son, Tim, and his high school sweetheart got married, and they picked my wife's and my 34th anniversary, wedding anniversary on which to get married. And I was the best man. Now, folks, it doesn't get any better than that. Five years before, I would have been unanimously elected as the worst man. And that's okay. That's okay. We're to make disciples. You have to create a safe environment in your home where anything can be discussed. You need to understand your kids and your grandkids are talking about these messages and about sex in the locker room, on the school bus, on the playground, wherever. You have to have open, honest dialogue with your kids at home. No sexual content in the home is acceptable. You must watch what you watch because if you have, and I'm not talking about six-year-olds and eight-year-olds, but I am talking about ten-year-olds and twelve-year-olds and certainly teenagers. Whatever you watch, they are going to watch. And the more you tell them they can't do it, what? The more they're targeting to do it. How do we know that? Because we were 15 once too. Part of winning the day is protecting wireless mobile devices and your computers. There are two uh, programs here that we use at the National Coalition. One's called Covenant Eyes, the other's Safe Eyes. No filter is perfect, but filtering is absolutely critical in terms of these wireless devices. And Safe Eyes has developed some excellent programs for some of the uh, for iPhones and for other cell phones, and that's important as well. So uh, this is an important development for Safe Eyes. They now have that available on some phones, and that's good. You can go to Internet Safety, that website, and get good information about some filtering and monitoring systems that's very important. Now, primarily for the ladies, you have the opportunity to join a program, an initiative of the National Coalition called iCare. It's calling you to become educated about wireless technology and mobile entertainment. It's free. It's Internet-based. Every other week you'll get a, an email from the National Coalition that will call you to prayer and will inform you about some of these issues and what's going on in terms of wireless technology. I'd, I'd recommend that all of you sign up for iCare. You won't get anything else but the emails from us about wireless technology and mobile entertainment. You have to be a guardian there about these issues. Now, another element of winning the day, if you are married is to model for your kids what it means to love one another as husband and wife. Fathers, you want your sons to grow up and understand what it means to be sacrificially in love with a woman. Demonstrate that by living that way toward your wife. Ephesians 5.25, husbands, you're what? To love your wives as Christ loved the church. Wives, Ephesians 5, 31 and 32, you are to respect your husbands. Okay? We must be models. You have to encourage what we call a Christian worldview. Answering the question relative to sexuality and purity, what, what would Jesus do? You have to help your children and grandchildren develop an inner moral compass because they're eventually going to leave the home and when they do, if you have not prepared them this way, you're going to lose the day. Okay? 
It's all about grace. No matter whether you've got sons or daughters that have been sexually active for years, you've got a daughter that's had two abortions and two children born out of wedlock, and you've got sons that have been sexually active and have STDs, folks, it's all about grace. If we don't share the grace, love, and compassion of Jesus with our children relative to this issue, you will shut down the communication system. Okay? It's a spiritual battle, and it lasts for a lifetime. Just recently, I wrote my three adult sons, who were 39, 37, and 31, a letter asking them if they would enter into a covenant with me of discipleship for the rest of my life. They're still my kids, and I'm called to disciple them, and I'm thrilled that we're going to do that. And you cannot do this, you cannot win the day in your own power. You can only do it through the power of the Holy Spirit. One of the greatest verses in all of Scripture is Colossians 1.27, which is, Christ in me, what? The hope of glory. My prayer for you is found in a prayer of the Apostle Paul in Ephesians 1.18-20. If you haven't read that passage recently, read it before you go to bed tonight. Here's the prayer from the Apostle Paul, and it's not just for the Ephesians, it's for you and me. He says this, I pray also that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened, in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and his incomparably great power for us who believe. It is like the power that the Father used in raising the Son from the dead, and seated him at the right hand of the Father. How many of you, in helping your kids and grandkids, navigate the hyper-sexualized culture in which we live, want to have that kind of power? Don't try to do this on your own. It's got to be a work of the Holy Spirit. And as you live that way, as you model that, walking with Jesus, you will have a good shot at winning the day.